All right. Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Craig F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, today's date is Friday, February 12th. 2021. Uh, Today we're reading from the big book on page 37, the first paragraph that begins whatever the precise definition. Uh, Today's readers are uh, Pam R., uh, Adrian uh, M., uh, N., I think, uh, Barbara E., Susan H., Marge O., The reference numbers for yesterday for the 7 a.m. meeting is 16,300 and I scribbled it. I'll get it for you in a minute. For the 10 o'clock meeting, it's 16,383. All right. Uh, OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive eating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside uh, donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Okay, and that uh, was the uh, 7 a.m. share ID was 16,000. 383. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that uh, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask uh, Pam R. to read the 12 steps. Pam? Pam, you're not being heard. Unmute, star one. Good morning. This is Pam R. from Texas, grateful, compulsive, recovered overeater. We admit, one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove 
all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we carried this this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you for serving. Okay, next we'll have uh, Adrian M., and she's going to read the 12 traditions. Adrian. Hi, this is Adrian N., as in Nancy. The 12 traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each, excuse me, five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Least problems of money, property, or prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me read. All right. Thank you very much. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. 
This meeting does request that your share be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. On page 37, the first full paragraph that begins, whatever the precise definition. I'm now going to ask uh, Barbara E. to uh, read that paragraph and begin uh, sharing. Barbara? Barbara Star One. Good morning, everyone. I'm calling from Chile, New Jersey. Whatever the price definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. How can such a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else? Well, as we read yesterday, Jim had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic, yet all reason for not drinking were easily pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea that he could drink a whiskey if mixed with milk. I, too, had that built-in denial system. I made countless vain attempts to prove I could eat like others. But when I put multiple packets of Splenda in my mouth and chewed them like gum, I knew I was not being too smart. I got sick to the point where the physical pain had me crying. Why can't I stop? But it still wasn't enough to stop me. I was totally out of control. I had to throw down the white flag of surrender and humbly say, help me, I'm lost. I always failed to remember the consequences of the last time I ate cereal in the middle of the night or ate food from the garbage or to eliminate Splenda. I simply knew that my problem truly did center in my mind, but it starts in my soul. I ate and I ate and I cried as I ate. I wanted to stop, but I couldn't. The book says we call this plain insanity. And I lack the power to think sanely, incapable of healthy thinking when it came to the foods that were killing me. I'm not a scholar, but it says, I believe, on page 14, simple but not easy. A price had to be paid. It meant the destruction of self-centeredness. If an alcoholic is unwilling to enlarge his spiritual life and with work and sacrifice for others, he could certainly not survive the trials and low spots ahead. And I know for me, if I do not work with others, I would certainly compulsively eat again. And for me to volume overeat again like that would be to die. I had to be guided to build a sturdy bridge to my higher power so I'd never again put whole packets of Splenda in my mouth. And today, if a random thought comes into my head telling me I could put just one packet of Splenda on my oatmeal, my higher power's there to defend me, whispering, Barbara, that's not a good idea. So I surrendered and let the rest of my life up to higher power. 
I trust my higher power, so I relax and leave my life in his capable hands. I came into OA to lose weight, but what, what it gave me was my life, a life I could never imagine. So I stayed for the miracle, and I stayed after the miracle. It's out there. It works. It can work for you. It worked for me for two decades. Thank you. I pass. Okay, Barb, thank you very much. Um, now we're going to take uh, shares from uh, people. If you've shared in the last two days, we ask you to uh, to hold back and let people, other people that maybe didn't have an opportunity share. So um, who would like to, uh, who'd like to share on this passage, this paragraph? Vanessa N. Maggie Melissa C. Hold on. Was that first one Deanna H? And then Vanessa M. And then Maggie? Adriana? Did you Maggie get Melissa C? Janet B. Adriana C. I think I have a Deanna, a Vanessa, a Maggie, and an Adriana. Is that? Uh, Cheryl A. Jai? And, and Sharon. Sharon. Melissa C. Melissa. And then I got a a Sally. Sharon. What? Sharon B. Karen B. Sharon Sally. Janet B. Janet B. Okay, I think we have enough here. Uh, I hope. all right. I, what I have is Deanna, Vanessa, Maggie, Adriana, Melissa, Sally, Karen, and Janet. Um, so let's just see if I'm hearing things or these people all exist. Uh, Deanna H. Star one. Okay, uh, Vanessa. Let's go to Vanessa M. Vanessa M. Did I mishear that too? Hi, this is Vanessa, and may I be heard? Yes. Thank you. Calling from California, and yeah, the word insanity. Um, you know, they have that the precise definition, and I'm sure many of you have heard the definition of uh, doing the same thing and expecting different results. And that is what I did. I went through these periods of overeating and then over restricting with this 
insane idea in my head that this over-restricting was my new lifestyle and that was how I was going to be eating going forward. And then I'd get that insane idea of, oh, I can just have a little bit, a bite of this, um, and a bite turns into several pints, and then into that insane idea of like, oh, I'll just do this today and I won't do this again. Waking up the next day with that intention of, I'm not going to overeat today and making it to the afternoon and then overeating. And yeah, that's that was the insanity that I just did over and over and over and over and over, expecting different results, which I obviously did not get until I was finally able to admit that I am a compulsive eater and I'm powerless over it and my life is totally unmanageable regardless of how it looks on the outside and it might not be totally obvious that I have a compulsive eating problem. Um, I was always for you know most of my life in a normal body weight because of the over restricting so you might not be able to see it but it was there was a part of me that was like, oh, well, then my life is not unmanageable. Turns out my life was extremely unmanageable. The obsessing, um, just there was just so much that my dear sponsor helped me realize how unmanageable my life is. And now thank, thank you all for being here every day because I have to listen to this call every single day to help me remember so that my forgetter doesn't kick in that I am a compulsive overeater. And I cannot do this without you and without my higher power. So thank you so much. And I pass. Okay, thanks, Vanessa. Next, I have a Maggie. Maggie? Hi, um, this is Maggie from Tennessee. Can I be heard? Yes, doing fine. Okay, great. Um, first of all, I just want to thank you guys so much for this service because um, I, too, listen to it many times, and it just kind of gets my day started right. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm off today, and I thought, you know, I'm going to kind of uh, give back a little bit. So um, in regards to the insanity reading, I mean, certainly I'm able to see that with the food. Um, but just this week I had – like one of those epiphanies or one of those aha moments with seeing the insanity of my behavior. And it's, it's come with really getting clean with my food and, and having that be in order. My sponsor was saying that, you know, the road gets a little narrower and then with a clear head, you can kind of see how this plays out in your behavior. So I was starting, it was a lie of omission at work and I'm a teacher and I, I was kind of hiding um, I, I was, I, I do this thing where I go rogue, you know, where I, I just, I want to do what I want to do. And I'm, I'm just not going to tell her that I did that. And, um, and went on my merry way, but it was starting to really mess with my head. And I was starting to get like paranoid and, and then, oh my goodness, when I had to do comments, I was going to have to lie about, you know, so I, it was really, um, getting me off the beam and so my sponsor was like, well, I think you need to say something. I think you need to tell her exactly what you did. Um, and so that's exactly what I did. I prayed. I was like, God, give me the right words, you know. But in my head, I was so afraid that she was going to judge me and it was going to turn into this big thing. And I went in and I took God with me. <clears throat> and it just, it it evolved into this really cool moment between me and my um, department chair and she, it was no big deal to her, of course. And then she shared with me like she needed some advice on something. And and I cannot tell you, I felt like this 10-pound weight 
was just lifted and I had like one of my best days teaching and it's just, it sounds so silly that this is such a small thing, but it was a really big thing for me. And it, it just is another, like, thank you God to live like this, like to live in, in truth and integrity. I just, I'm so grateful. So anyways, I just wanted to share that. Thanks guys. Have a great day. Okay. Thanks Maggie. Uh, Next, I have Adriana C., I believe. Adriana, are you there? Hi, Craig. Thanks for your service. This is Adriana T., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Detroit, Michigan. And I'm really grateful to be on the line today and to share um, as on part of Jim's story, I guess. Um, so when I initially heard Jim's story, I I thought he was insane, too. I was like, who would do that? Who would think that that's going to make a difference? But, you know, the more I was in the program, I realized, you know, how similar my thinking can be to Jim's thinking and how insane my thinking is around food. Like, if I'm tired, oh, I should eat. <laughs> oh, um, I'm sick. I should go to Burger King. <laughs> just craziness. And, you know, just my solution to everything was food. And um, the crazy thing is, is that I realized that just knowing that I have these kind of crazy thoughts when it comes to food is not enough. Kind of like the book talks about that self-knowledge avails me nothing because, you know, if I really don't have that mental defense against taking that first bite or, um, you know, getting into the food behaviors, then, you know... I'm really powerless, which is what, you know, the book is getting to is that we need a power greater than ourselves. And kind of like what was shared before, um, I was talking to someone about who was, you know, early in abstinence and um, they were struggling with their food and or food thoughts. And, you know, it was really kind of hard to explain. It's like, I don't know, God just gives me the counter thought. Um, that comes into my mind when a crazy thought comes up. God gives me a counter thought. And um, I can only, you know, express my gratitude to God for being that power in my life to keep me away from the food. Um, and, and it takes just taking these actions that seem like they wouldn't be helpful. Um, I know when I was a newcomer, I thought that my only problem was the food, but everything in my life was perfect, and I didn't have any other problems. It was, you know, maybe other people, but, um, you know, I was a victim to my life circumstances, but I was certainly doing well. So um, I think breaking through that denial in the fourth step is seeing my part things, um, you know, I was able to see, you know, all kind of different levels of insanity. So, um, yeah, doing the steps is really what um, brings about that spiritual awakening to give us the defense against the thinking. And, um, yeah, so that's all I have. Thank you. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Okay. Thank you, Adriana. Next, uh, we'll have Melissa, and followed by Sally. Melissa? Hi, good morning, Craig. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. Um, 
You know, when um, I read, like, lack of proportion and ability to think straight, um, that's how the big book is defining insanity. And I think that's important, you know, that, that we get a definition like that because, you know, I remember, like, this is leading me up to step two because step two is going to say that there's a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. So this, for me, this whole, you know, this whole chapter is sort of um, giving the, the, the real clear um, definition and description of what it means to be insane because I didn't like that term. I didn't want to be told that I was crazy. But, um, yeah, if you lack proportion, right, and I can't think straight, you know, and, and so I think about that. It's like if I can't think straight, it means that I don't see how one small action draws a straight line for me right to the food. I can't think about that in the midst of of the action. And, you know, um, anyone else who had years of painful experience should be able to see that for me, you know, that whiskey in the gin, like that was me, that was creamer to my coffee. I could have coffee, but as soon as I put creamer in it, something else happened. And I couldn't make that connection, you know. Um, my other thought is this idea of lack of proportion. You know, it means that I don't see things in their proper perspective. I make certain things far more important than other things, and the things that are really important, less important. And, you know, how how did that show up in my life? You know, I would be more concerned with how um, a hostess, you know, if I was going to someone's house, was I more concerned about um, what she would think of me if I asked her what she was serving before I got there, right? That, to me, shows a lack of proportion because I'm more concerned with the opinions of someone else than my own deadly allergy. And I know I have a deadly allergy. And, you know, I, I think about it like this. If I have proportion, it means that I know what's most important. And no, it's not my abstinence, but that's my foot in the door. I can't even begin to, to like, think about a connection for me with a higher power, you know, until I understood that I am crazy and, and I don't have proportion and I don't see things, I can't draw the straight line from one thing to the next, and therefore I need a power much greater than myself um, that can restore my sanity and can give me the ability to think straight. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Okay. Thank you, Melissa. Next we have Sally. Sally? I have a feeling the person you thought was Sally might have been me. And what was your name? Go ahead. Hello? Star one, unmute. Can you hear me now? Yes. What was your name? Wonderful. I'm so sorry. My name is Sharon. Okay. And the initial Go ahead, Sharon. is B. Thank you. Sharon, recovering compulsive eater from Brooklyn, New York. And the thing that comes to mind is 
this thing we call the mental twist. It's all fine and good to identify where I'm crazy, where I've lost the ability to see reality. But what am I going to do with that information? How can I live in the blessed solution? I can live in the solution only if I know exactly what it means to be insane. Being insane, I can't do anything about that. But having this mental twist, I know what to do with that. I know I need to change my mental understanding of what it's really all about. How do I do that? Well, we're always talking about, from the big book, our loving higher power. It's the only way I can change my mental twists. I'll give you an example. I dropped 67 pounds three years ago. Kept it off. To this day, was in recovery, was practicing the principles in as many affairs that I could possibly do at that time. And then one day, I decided in my infinite wisdom that it was okay to have one chocolate mini because it was only 75 calories. I don't know what else to call that, but insane. Today I call it insane. Back then when I spoke to my nutritionist and my sponsor, they called it a mental twist. And because of that, I was able to get through it. And with that, I passed. Have a great day, everyone, and a wonderful weekend. Okay, thank you, Sharon. Next, we have Karen B. Karen? Karen? Star one? Well, let's go to Janet B. Janet, are you there? Hi, I'm here. Good morning. Um, it's Janet B. Recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. Um, great line. Like it, this book is telling me, I had a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight, and that was insanity. I couldn't think straight. I mean, I was a smart woman. I have, you know, two graduate degrees and. Um, did really well in school. What does, it, what does it mean I couldn't think straight? And I think page 24 for me gave me the answer. It says that I'm unable at certain times to bring into my consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and that I'm without defense against the first compulsive bite. So they're telling me that my memory is my defense against doing something dangerous. Well, that makes sense to me. I have like 
horrible cat allergies. So in my memory are all these data points of cat-induced asthma attacks. So if I'm tempted to go into a pet store or visit a friend with a cat, my memory protects me. It sends a little thought running across the bridge that connects to my conscious mind and says, stop, danger, cats will give you an asthma attack. So my memory keeps me from danger. But when it came to food, it didn't work that way. Stored in my memory were all these data points of what would happen when I would say, I'm just going to eat one cookie, but I'd end up eating the whole box. And so my memory would try to send a little thought to run across the bridge to my conscious mind saying, stop, danger. You won't be able to stop at one. You'll eat the whole box. Except when it came to food, the bridge was broken and the thought couldn't get across. My memory failed to hold me in check and I had no defense against the first compulsive bite. So I couldn't keep the memory green. I couldn't just tell myself to stay away from my binge foods. Um, I was hopeless, like Bill when he said on page eight, no words can tell of the loneliness I found in that bitter morass of self-pity. I had met my match. Alcohol was my master. Food was my master because I had a broken bridge. No connection. Self-knowledge wouldn't fix it. Desire wouldn't fix it. I was 100% hopeless without a miracle. But fortunately, the age of miracles is still with us, and the rest of these steps tell me basically how to have a miracle in 12 simple and easy steps so that I don't need to worry about food. God just comes down and keeps me safe and protected. And with that, I pass. Okay, Janet, thank you. Uh, I'll go back and hit for, ask for Karen one more time if she happens to be on. Maybe I heard things, uh, maybe not. Okay, well, um, let's take a new list of names then. Who else would like to share on this paragraph on page 37, the first paragraph? Kim A. Uh, Kim A. Jennifer H. Emily D. Jennifer H. Mary Say Andy. Emily B. Emily Mary B. And D. Dog. Anita J. Mary Ann V. Mary Ann V. Was there a, there was an Emily in there, I think? Yep, it's me, Emily. Yep. Okay. D is in dog. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Jackie R. Jackie, Jackie R. R. Got you, Jackie. Thank you. What? Who who's that last one? I said thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you. I got Anita J, and then there was something, somebody W there. Barb W. Barb. All right, well, let's go with this lineup. I've got, a, I think, Kim A, Jennifer, Emily, Marianne, Anita J, Jackie R. Um, I got Anita twice. Uh, Barb W. So, uh, Kim A. Did I get that right? Did I mishear that? There was somebody there. 
Hi, this is Kim A. I'm having a whole conversation with myself. Can you hear me now? Oh. Yeah. Hello. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> okay, hi. This is Kim A. in New York. And this lack of proportion for me is so little about the food and so much about the outlook and the attitude I have towards life because that outlook and attitude is what propels me to the food. For me, as a chronic compulsive eater of that seemingly hopeless variety, I don't binge because of my lack of proportion around food like judgment. Like, of course, I don't have sound food judgment, but I don't have sound food judgment because I always needed it as ease and comfort. Not because I was eating sugar, not because I wasn't weighing and measuring, not because of triggers, not because of any of that. You know, when the doctor's opinion is talking about this delusional thinking we have, for me, what's most important about that is this delusional thinking causes me to like stew in resentment and self-pity and live in fear. And all of my instincts are like totally awry. That's why I need even comfort from food. So the steps allow me to, you know, if I take these actions and I'm guided by a sponsor, she can interpret the truth for me because I can't tell the truth from the false. So she can help me take these actions that are in the steps that allow me to rely on God so that my delusional thinking and my lack of proportion isn't like propelling me through life to continue creating wreckage and living life like, you know, a miserable bitch and always needing to go to food, right? So if I can have God remove all these defects and if I can live in 10, 11, and 12 and constantly be asking God, okay, what's the next right thought? What's the next right action? Then, yeah, I'm going to have a lack of proportion if I rely on myself. But the whole point of this is to not rely on myself. The whole point of this is that when I rely on myself, that's what got me here, whether it's about food or the way I'm living my life. So this psychic change is going to enable me to live life as a more like compassionate, helpful person that is here to serve my higher power in whatever way he shows me and not have to be worried about that lack of proportion leading me astray through life and subsequently leading me into the food. So as long as I take these actions, the food becomes a non-issue, really. Um, I never thought I would get that neutrality around food. That seems like <laughs> such a myth. And I don't have it all the time, but I have more neutrality around food and around people than I ever thought possible, not because of what I'm eating or not eating, not because of you know, abstinence or avoiding foods. The big book doesn't talk about triggers. For me, all I have to do is follow the steps. I mean, it sounds like, you know, easy and it's not, of course, but that's why I no longer have to worry about my lack of proportion. It's all because, you know, I can't change my thinking by myself. If I could, I wouldn't be here. So I turn it all over to God and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Kim. Next, we have Jennifer. Jennifer?
Hi, this is Jennifer, Virginia. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. Um, recovering compulsive overeater and um, also middle school math teacher. So this word proportion, I had to look it up because when I think of proportion, I think of the mathematics and the balance, keeping suicides balanced and all that kind of stuff and whether something equals something else. And um, But in here, which, you know, it's like a perspective, a harmonious relationship of parts to each other or to the whole. And, you know, this imbalance, um, when I think of proportion, the, the ability to think straight, it is insanity. And it happens long before I pick up the food. You know, I can start putting other things in front of the program. I can be slightly dissatisfied with something and let that become a source of imbalance for me. Um, and those things, just like with Jim, you know, he was at a job where he used to own all that stuff. There's so much that precedes the first bite that um, creates this lack of proportion and ability to think straight. And um, I just, I, that's what I was thinking about today, this balance or symmetry, it just goes off. And that is insanity for me. And, it's, uh, and it can creep in subtly. Um, and with so by doing the nightly reviews and talking to my sponsor and making 10-step lists, all that stuff is preventative medicine, I guess, against that insanity. And um, I'm really, really uh, grateful, I guess, for the tools that I have that can keep me back in proportion and in balance in my thinking and um, can keep those mental twists from coming on as quickly as they can. So thank you very much, and I'll pass. Okay, thanks, Jennifer. Next we have Emily D. Emily? Hi, star good one. morning, everybody. Oops. We had you, Emily. Did we lose you? <laughs> I'm back. Good morning. Uh, Emily uh, D. Recovered in Chicago. Um, and grateful to be here this morning. The shares have been great. And, you know, I, I try and have some, just a light touch of grace and compassion for myself when it comes to calling myself insane, though it's, it's, it is true. Um, because my mind was designed to think, and I am not a mistake, and, you know, I'm, I'm designed by God. There is just this thing and I've related to the shares of, you know, I'm, I'm smart, you know, it, I've got it, I've got papers and bookshelves to prove it. And yet what has been so hard as I've gone through my life is like, why can't I lick this thing? And it's just because I'm applying the same, the same pressure that I do in every other area of my life to, to a disease, to a disease in my body and a disease in my brain. And it's just not going to work. It does not compute. So, you know, I, I like to think about um, my mind's going to be thinking and it's going to go insane with all sorts of things. I went through a breakup this week, um, a very God-centered breakup. But it was preceded by, you know, a couple months of like a lot of in and out of insanity with the thinking. And it was just me resisting God because when I was, when I was in my head, you know, I like to sort of live like a neck up kind of life um, and just staying in the intellectual. When I get into my body, when I get into my heart, 
that's where God lives. And the food kept me cut off. You know, someone else mentioned a bridge. It's like, I think about like, how do I let this sink in to my heart? And that's where God speaks. And it's not, it's not, you know, long soliloquies. It's just very gentle, you know, I'm here. It's time to end it. And I, I didn't want that. There's lots of things I don't want. I want, I don't want to not be able to have birthday cake, but I can't, um, you know, and, and God guides me instead to like, what is in store for me? And on the other side of this breakup, on the other side of, you know, an abstinent meal, on the other side of having a difficult conversation is a life beyond my wildest dreams. So what I find when it comes to this like proportion and getting right with God and sinking into the language of the heart is that, you know, my intuition starts to become a working part of my mind. And sometimes my intuition, I'm just like, please, no, that's like not what I want to do at all. You know, I want to take the easier way. Um, But my intuition's getting louder. And I'm so grateful for that. And uh, I think with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. It caught me. Uh, next, we have Marianne V. Marianne? Star one, Marianne. Sorry about that. This is Marianne V. from upstate New York. Grateful to be able to share today. Uh, this is a great paragraph. It, um, I listen to a lot of different uh, speakers, and a couple of different AA speakers have talked about what does it mean, the insanity that the big book is talking about. And one of them uh, said a twist on that other statement about insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. He said insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, knowing what the results will be, and doing it anyway. And that one really resonated with me. That's been my pattern, Um, and not just with food but other things you know, in my life. I have other problems with spending and debting, and and I can relate it to that as well. I'll do the same thing over and over again. I know what's going to happen, but I do it anyway, and um, and that's not healthy. And that brings me to the other definition that someone shared. I go to a 12-step workshop run by somebody that was one of the speakers at the last convention, and he talks about insanity as just unhealthy thinking. And that's... Um, what it says here basically a lack of proportion and a lack of the ability to think straight and uh, and that sounds like unhealthy thinking to me and I wish I could say that being recovered means I never have unhealthy thinking but uh, far from the truth I have to have uh, daily treatment of, of that part of my you know disorder disordered thinking one of the things I've been told is you know sit when you meditate and ask God to direct your thinking and that's in the big book somewhere I don't remember what page it doesn't matter but God please direct my thinking why because if I don't ask God to do that I will have that unhealthy thinking that's um, been embedded in my brain for a lot of my life and I can actually think my way into panic and detach myself from reality if I go too far with that unhealthy thinking, and I've recently struggled with that around a work issue. So um, I'm grateful that we have tools and suggestions in the big book, suggestions from other people, from from other literature, from um, all different spiritual sources 
I get sustenance from, and and I love uh, being at this meeting and and talking about these really important issues that help us all to live a happier and healthier life. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, thanks, Marianne. Next, we have Anita J, Jackie R, and Barb W. We have three people on the list in about seven minutes, so if you could keep it to about two minutes instead of three, I'd sure appreciate it. Uh, okay. Anita Jay? I'll try my best. This is Anita Jay, recovered in um, Massachusetts with the grace of God. That's why it happened. Um, there's a loaded word in here. You know, we bring our old baggage when we first come in, and the word insanity just turned me off. And as a tribute to the founder here in Massachusetts, uh, her name was FOG. She spotted that in me way back. I was fortunate to live near her. 1978, 1979, she kept saying about this insane thinking. And I, you know, my mother spent 13 years in a mental institution. You can't. Uh, that's all. That's all I could think of was her. And um, I just argued. I, I kept saying, I'll go. I know I'm emotionally immature. <laughs> emotionally immature. Well, anyway, the point of the story is how far, how far did I get? I could never call myself a recovered compulsive overeater until the beginning of 2014. That's what my denial my clinging to my own definition instead of asking, what do you mean by that? Maybe I would have heard some of this. I probably would have. She was a very wise woman. Proportion. So all I can say is we've got to let go of our old thinking, all of us. And then we have this wonderful life. We know it. You hear it on the line. Listen to a lot of the special editions I do sometimes that lifts me up. What's possible? What's possible through God? And instead of my crazy thinking. So thank you, everybody, for your shares and your service, and I pass. Okay, thanks, Anita. Next we have uh, Jackie R. Jackie, star one. Hi, my name is Jackie. Jackie R. from Gloucester, Massachusetts, and I am a recovering compulsive overeater. I had several incidents that I wanted to say, but I'll cut it to one. Um, The ability to think straight, plain insanity. I'll tell you, when I look back, I almost have to laugh because it was crazy. It was crazy thinking. And one of my situations where is that my mother-in-law was visiting for a week or so and we had dinner and and we had apple we had a we had a, a, a substance for dessert and what i would and so uh, i put it in the refrigerator on a dish put it in the refrigerator and left it there and during the night i would get up in the dark and sneak down the stairs and cut just a sliver i just have a sliver and i'd eat it and I'd say, good, that's it. And then I'd go upstairs, and about an hour later, I'd come back down. Well, finally, before it got time to wake up, I realized that almost all of the pie was gone. 
And I said, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I don't want people to know that. So I searched the cupboard and found the same plate in a different size. It was like more like a, um, a dessert platter, uh, a dessert plate. And I put that pie on that plate. Was it crazy? It certainly was. I thought that they would, they would see the proportion of the pie to the plate. And wouldn't realize that any of it had been eaten. That is crazy. So I, I just, I was having that thought and, uh, I just wanted to share it because I couldn't share it, um, with anyone else except someone who has this disease because they wouldn't understand. And, and my, my mother-in-law the next noontime said, what happened to all of this? And I didn't know what to say. And I sat there with my mouth open and my husband said, oh, I ate it. And I thought, oh, my God, trying to protect me from my disease and and not helping. So anyway, thank you for letting me speak. And uh, God bless everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Jackie. All right. Barb W. Good morning, Greg. Thanks for your service and everyone on the line. Barb W. from Naperville, Illinois. And the word proportion is so interesting. A comparative, a comparative relation between parts, relation between parts. And I had lack of proportion with food. I, portions, what's a portion? You know, I was a family of four on the macaroni box. Um, and I had a lack of pro- proportion with, with, with relationship to how I saw myself visually in the world. I couldn't see myself as, as 60 pounds heavier than I am now. I never, I couldn't see myself. I think I just looked in the mirror at my face. And relational proportion, so my, my relationship to food, to myself, and relation to others. Didn't know how much room I took up in other people's lives or what I demanded of them, what I wanted more of. Sounds a lot like food to me. And then the fourth and the coolest is in proportion to my higher power. And another portion, another part of the definition of proportion is to arrange the parts so as to be harmonious or properly balanced. Oh my goodness, doesn't that sound like sanity? And much more than just sanity. And and I can't do that arranging because of my twisted thinking, because of my insanity. And I'm thankful for the program and the guidance of my sponsor that I am brought to a place that I cannot get to on my own. I'm getting to a place. I'm recovering. And so those are my thoughts on today. Thanks for letting me share. Have a great day. Okay. Thanks, Barb. It's pretty much perfect timing. So we're going to call that good. Um, so um, thanks to everybody that shared, and uh, thanks for everybody being here. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing uh, and the newcomer greeter. Uh, the share ID for the for this meeting uh, today is uh, sixteen thousand three hundred and ninety one six three nine zero. And and I'm going to give yesterday's again because I kind of muffed it up a little bit. The 7 a.m. yesterday was 16,383, and the 10 a.m. for yesterday, for Thursday, was 16,385. 
and then this morning 16,390. So, uh, for Friday, February 12th. Uh, we're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, will uh, Susan H. please read uh, our book is meant to be suggestive only through keep you until then. Susan? Good morning, Craig. Thanks for your service. This is Susan H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.